Um, okay, let's, let's no, uh, yeah, cut that it. part. Yeah, cut Get some money, what you gonna do with it? Put the money up, boy, at the full with it. Run the money up, get rich with your click, or fuck the money up, trick it off on the bitch. You should put the money up, go stack it. <laughs> Double up, commas and brackets. Grown man on Instagram capping. Hold the bands where he not paying taxes. He ain't really making money until you make eight figures. Everybody want a bag, but they won't go get it. Try to make fast money, but they fuck it up quicker. He ain't really getting money until you make eight figures. When the feds call my dad, only had one million. Since they had nine more, pulled up in the city. Everybody want a bag. Nobody want to work. All the niggas want to trap. All the girls want to twerk. Everybody act hard. Did somebody get hurt? Yeah, brokers mama hard. When they put them on a the shirt. Put a bag on your head. Then they put you in the dirt. Put a price on your top. What your life really worth? Try to get fast cash just to fuck it up quicker. You ain't really got cash or you got eight figures. I've been getting the street money ever since I was little. Seeing niggas at the store selling dope drugs. Seeing niggas checking hoes on the stroll. They was uh, that was eight figures uh, from Maxo Cream's uh, outstanding new album, uh, Brandon Banks. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul, do you agree with his thesis there that you're not making money until you're making eight figures? I, I, I mean, like to be perfectly honest, I could not disagree more. But, uh, <laughs> but you haven't Brand- made you haven't Brandon made Banks and I. <laughs> eight figures. I'm pretty sure Maxo Cream hasn't either. Uh, <laughs> no. 10 million know. that's a lot in this day and age for an artist who's not like a superstar um yes perhaps it's an aspirational mark for him as well yeah i wouldn't uh, be the first one in rap. although you know given his combined uh drug and rap earnings that's the uh, whole point of drug dealing on the streets is you're not making any fucking money doing it like it's <laughs> terrible yeah but he's been be. indicted on like rico charges he's it's making money. It's oh, actually making money. Now you're using our overzealous prosecutorial state as evidence. I they, that doesn't mean anything. They go after the the big dogs. I mean those, <laughs> uh, you know those those pigs be snorting for truffles. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't we'll want Maxo Cream to be mad at me for underestimating. I'll tweet it. I'll tweet at Maxo and ask for proof that he made eight figures. And then, he doesn't uh, have proof. You can. T- <laughs> then I'll be dead. So exactly. Okay. That'll be cool. Just preemptively snuffed for being a snitch. <laughs> thank God. Um, uh, thank God I'll die before I listen to the new Tool I- album. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so will I. Uh, but. <laughs> I played the many years. It's not even my creative opening bit, but uh, you have no intention of listening to uh, the '90s uh, most stupidly pretentious band. I never have listened to them, so I don't know why I would start now. I've always been offended by that song being called "Stink Fist." I'm like, this can't be like a good song if it's got like just stupid juvenile name. Yeah, exactly. There's some things. It's like the we've I've they've been an example at least two other times on this podcast but diary of planet like i don't care if you're good it doesn't matter i'm not listening yes yes totally <laughs> um yeah tool is is uh smart smart music for 15 year olds um mm-hmm. uh yes paul uh i i was curious um this is something that i i an artist i came across an artist um, who has uh, just billions of streams on Spotify? Who I'd never heard of. Mm-hmm. Um, his name is Marshmallow. 
Oh yeah, and, I know who he is. What? Okay, so that's what. Okay, how did I miss Marshmallow? This guy who wears he wears a giant marshmallow on his head, and there's a huge joke. You know, there's a joke that no one knows what he looks like, and he actively yeah. plays into that. Yeah, um, which has been a thing for a while with these modern dance DJ type guys. Yeah, Danger Mouse, not yeah, Danger exactly. Mouse. Dead no, exactly. Dead, dead Mouse. Yeah. Dead Fuck. Mouse. Yeah. <laughs> There's like a there's a story with their names, but whatever. Uh, anyway, um, it, an implied narrative. Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. How did you miss it? Because he has two huge constituencies. One is uh, rave, EDM, dance culture type people. You're not that. And the other is uh, people twelve or younger, and you're not that either. So, um, it's true. But, I I did um, uh, I did. I was introduced to him because, uh, you know, I follow uh, Orlando Magic rising star Aaron Gordon, uh, who was at the uh, participated in the Fortnite World Championships. And exactly. Uh, and he big crossover introduced his like 12 year old nephew to Marshmallow, who like uh-huh. really wanted to meet him. So, yeah, you're right on the money there. My brother and my son know a lot about DJ Marshmallow. <laughs> you and I do not. Um, I guess uh, just to. My existential question is, do I need to know about artists like this, like novelty dance artists, to appreciate music? No. Overall, I'd say no. Now that I, I realize what a novelty is, I thought I just missed out on like a like innovative DJ. No, not so it, much just it's 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 not only that that he has those constituencies but those are like the most spotify constituencies oh, so yes totally. so he's gonna have outsized numbers on that platform uh your mom still doesn't know dj marshmallow so it's not like a mainstream thing it's just a a hard subculture thing you know um, which of our moms would like dj shadow more yours because <laughs> my mom would not <laughs> Uh, I have I'm, no uh, idea what Sandy would think of DJ Shadow, but it's more than yeah, Nancy would. I, th- I think it would be a competition for them to dislike, <laughs> exactly <laughs> dislike it more. <laughs> um, but they may enjoy the smooth beats of uh, Marshmallow. Who knows? Yeah, you know, with all the kids, I actually don't even know his music that well, but it must be fairly poppy if all the kids are into it, and moms can get down with that mm-hmm. as long as it's not too like, you know, schizophrenic. Well, my mom's favorite band is ABBA, so, mm-hmm. you know, there you go. Yeah, I mean, uh, two to one, Marshmallow is Scandinavian of some kind, so. Yes, um. <laughs> totally. Or just uh, um, someone else famous. That'd be the most fun, but. Yeah, um, like if it's Sean Connery or something. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, that would be enjoyable. I agree. Yeah. Uh, Wow, I, I can't. This, I can't top that. Um, this is somehow it's young Sean Connery though. He's just hiding the fact they cloned that he, him. They cloned him thirty years ago. Yes, and now young Sean Connery is DJ Marshmallow. Well, you heard it here first. We solved the the mystery. <laughs> DJ Marshmallow is a young clone of Sean Connery. I mean. If reality, reality never listens to us, so I guess we're fucked, actually. True. On that. Yeah. True. Uh, well, just hold on. Uh, I um, Let me just talk to the person running this ancestor simulation and get them mm-hmm. to, to fix that for us. Mm-hmm. 
do you think cool. they enjoy it when you say that do you think they sort of have an alert set up uh when when one of the minds spits out that thought they're like ha gotcha no because they they i think they are probably they probably insert those kinds of thoughts like they kind oh, of okay. they kind of guide our thoughts about the ancestor simulation so we don't like actually think the dangerous thoughts that would disrupt it oh i see so it's like a weird uh sort of like anti-god who's just yes. trying to deceive you a little bit a demiurge if you will well at that for that point yes to, to protect yeah. the the integrity of the simulation you yeah. know uh well, but, but for like the most that, part that part of it isn't too far off from the monotheistic judeo-christian guide all he's c- concerned about is the integrity of his system and we're fucking it up so uh the difference is uh, this God, the simulation God, isn't trying to bring us back in concert with his spirit. So. No, he's running the simulation over and o- over to try and find out who DJ Marshmallow is. <laughs> <laughs> every time, this is an overflow error every time. <laughs> yeah, every time he takes over the hat, the simulation just crashes. Yeah, exactly. Which means we have to stop him from taking off the hat at all costs. Yes. We must kill DJ Marshmallow <laughs> before his identity can be revealed. Um, okay. Well, there yeah. you go. Kill DJ Marshmallow or existence will end. Mm-hmm. All the 12-year-olds listening to this, I'm sorry. Yes, yes, and you don't stop. Cool like the best rapper, you don't stop. Another fucking hundred fucking dollar for the stop for you and your mind. Come on. Yeah, you can never define anything but divine love. I'm a savage beast. Slightly above average, at least not. Preference is relative. My references consistently uh, bring you to another vicinity. I hit you with the riddles consistently. Dead in the middle, a little triply. Little did we know that we triggered a fissure in the metaphysical imagery. Elegant painted in oil. Love is a flower, see how. Dissolving the power is dissolving the hours as well. The tower, a bell at the top of it. A hawk, a pigeon, a dove. Vision of love, an eagle, a falcon, even the gold coin in the talon that was um, prophesized upon earlier papyruses, gazing to the irises of infinite Osiris's hieroglyphical. And welcome to Savage Beast. I'm Joe Gallagher. With me for the first time, it's the hobo that that killed and assumed the identity of Paul McLeod. Um, yeah, it was a really strong identity swap too. You won't even notice the difference, folks. You really took the time to learn all of Paul's opinions about music and yeah. ju- Judeo-Christian religion. Let uh, me tell you, Paul did not enjoy that process. But no. <laughs> it's done now. It's, it's worth it. <laughs> um, yeah. No, just happy to be here in one way or another. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, enjoyed, I just watched the movie Beer Fest for the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I enjoy. Have you seen it? I no. I, it's uh, for some reason I never have, even it's, though I'm totally amenable uh, to they, it. They, 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 there is a gag where the, um, for some reason the the large member of uh, Broken Lizard. Yes. Yeah. Is uh, Farva in the Super Troopers movies? Go on. Yes. He 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 uh, is just replaced by his twin brother, who is <laughs> exactly like him in every way. <laughs> just, <laughs> just continues on that's excellent um uh including marrying his wife Uh, (laughs) uh spoiler alert for the 2006 uh comedy beer fest Uh, uh okay so paul uh here we are we have some things to talk about uh uh and the first 
is a eulogy of sorts um, for a band that recently broke up or went on hiatus, which is what you say these days instead of breaking up. Um, the uh, all-female Phil- all Philly rock trio, Cayetana. Um, let's listen to their song, Dirty Laundry. <laughs> Dirty Laundry uh, by Cayetana uh, from their 2014 album, Nervous Like Me. Mm-hmm. Uh, can't believe it was five years ago that I've been rocking out to that for five years. How time flies. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Paul, I've, I uh, came across Cayetana in a way that I remembered the other day uh, and then subsequently forgot. Uh, but... <laughs> And have uh, not remembered again? Nope, have not remembered. I re- just realized now that I, I thought I would remember and, and tell the story on this podcast, and uh, I, I do not. Um, well, uh, but so long the best story Joe would have ever told. <laughs> it really wasn't that good of a story. But, <laughs> um, but needless to say, uh, I discovered um, this uh, all, uh, this, this, you know, this band that fit the... Um, uh, what maybe is still the current indie grunge epoch that we're in uh girl powered um that played uh and philly powered yes philly powered um that played uh a very poppy and catchy version of uh what that scene uh generally puts forth mm-hmm. um and I, I thought this album had um with its its short um, power chord album uh, uh, songs um, centered around the um, the fun lyrics um, really kind of heart achingly sung by lead singer Augusta Coach um, Coke I would Coach assume Coke yes sorry thank you um, daughter of uh, Charles I'm sure <laughs> um <laughs> yes and and in a it, it's it's uh it's sort of like an updated weezer blue album sound for for uh-huh. 2014 and um yeah became hooked on you know this song hot dad calendar um uh scott get the van i'm moving there's a lot of great songs on here it's a great album to sing along to to run to to drive to um yeah they're a great band and uh yeah they just they broke up and they're worth mentioning um 
just because to me, I, I was kind of surprised that a band this good, um, it, it's not that they didn't like break through, but uh, they seem to be certainly a level below in um, notoriety uh, compared to some of the other uh, bands from this segment that we yeah. enjoy. Yeah, it's funny because I'm pretty sure I must have found out about them from you mm-hmm. because I remember later, uh, like after listening to it, I was trying to look up what Pitchfork had to say about them and uh, thought there was something wrong with the site for a minute when mm-hmm. searching Cayetana did not yield any album reviews. Nothing. Even to this day, zero. Yeah, they released another album in 2017, also not reviewed. Um, and uh, yeah, so which made me realize, I don't think I ever listened to their second album, A New Kind of Normal, um, which I did today. Mm. and it's excellent it's actually a lot more hi-fi than the first one yeah and but really good Um, yes yes and now i'm sad i haven't been listening to it for the past two and a half years but anyway i can for the next uh three years of my remaining life (laughs) and that's plenty um but um yeah it's uh it's funny i guess you know part of the reason they probably didn't make it is because there are people like me who even though like i try to listen to a shitload of new music um i have uh certain ways of finding out about it and if uh one band slips through the cracks of those um then they might not ever hear them i just happen to have a friend as uh, uh tasteful and delightful as you to steer me in the right direction on some of these things but if i didn't just imagine yeah i i think that um uh the horrors um, yeah, their their newer album uh, is good, uh, new kind of normal, and uh, it's just fascinating that that if Pitchfork doesn't speak about you, uh-huh. it's that like seems you to be exist. the kiss of death because it's erasure. If it, if nothing else, like if you go to Stereo Gum, they uh-huh. talked about Cayetana all the time. They like had a stream of this album. Um, Cayetana was at like NPR's South by show showcase and like that set was streamed like back and they did the audio tree live thing it looks like so yeah they they were out there yeah but um and people like them I I guess it's just I I and I not other than the pitchfork thing I don't really have an answer as to why you know some a band like diet sig um or Mm -hmm. even like bleached um, who seem to be having a moment with their new single, Hard to Kill, um, kind of, you know, clearly sits at a level above this band. Um, or Speedy yeah, Ortiz. Or... Yeah, and Bleach is really similar to them, too. Like yes. As far as if you're, if you're doing the, the graph uh, visualization, those mm-hmm. bands are definitely in the same cluster. Um, yeah, I don't know. 6,500 followers, is that enough to make a career? I guess not. Sucks. Yeah, um, and uh, they, uh, you know, their their biggest song had a cover of New Order had 1.8 million views on Spotify. So, but you know, Spotify that they could just be on a couple very popular playlists and you could get that million listens. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, but not to not to dwell on that. They're a great band and worth going back to listening to. Um, I, I think. Uh, um, 
yes, making a special uh, a special appointment. Their appointment mm-hmm. listening, if you enjoy uh, where indie rock is right now. Yeah, and uh, uh, very good heartbreak slash I'm a fuck up themes, at least on the second album. So, mm-hmm. Especially mm-hmm. if that's your thing. I guess that used to be called like slacker mentality a little bit, maybe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah, so go listen to Ke- Kayatana, even though it won't do Kayatana any good anymore. Presumably they still get royalties. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, and someday I'll remember who first played me one of their songs, uh, but not today. Um, okay, Paul. Yeah. Uh, let's. Yeah, you want to get dark? I do. I really want to get dark for, for a while. <laughs> Yeah, um, Lynchianly dark, uh, you might even say. Yes. So, um, let's play a track, and then we'll tell people what it is. <laughs> Mind of Her Own, the fourth track from Pedro the Lion's, I don't know, I don't know, Seminole might be too much, but uh, landmark album, Winners Never Quit from, like, what year was this? Uh, 2000. Yeah. Damn. Which we both just recently bought on vinyl because uh, deepdiscountwhatever.com was uh, selling it really cheap. Yes, it was $6, (laughs) incredibly well spent. Yeah, although my copy was pretty warped. Mm. Um, I could maybe try to deal with that, but whatever. Um, Yeah, so this is interesting just because I think you have probably had a much deeper relationship Mm -hmm. to this album over the years than I have. And that's another mistake of mine that I recognize today. So... Uh, I don't know which of us should go first, but um, uh, totally, totally, totally cool album. (laughs) It's, it's, yes, this, I think maybe like an introduction to the album in general is a good place to start. Yeah. Um, So it's uh, Pedro the Lion, who is an extremely emo, uh, but still indie rock artist Mm -hmm. um, in in emo in in character, um, if not necessarily in music. Yeah. it has a just 
broken and dark minimalism um even in his hard songs mm-hmm. um and uh he on winners never quit uh, it's eight songs uh, and it tells a story of two brothers um one of which is the fuck up and the other which is the high achieving uh, headed for political office um you know wonder kid golden child and uh, over the course of the eight songs um you know the the overachieving guy goes too far becomes obsessed by his ambition uh uh murders his wife who finds out you know who, when she finds evidence of his his uh uh crimes um uh and uh you know the the um he uh, in in my interpretation he commits suicide yeah he uh, does yes um and he you know in the end we're left you know the 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 album goes back and forth between the viewpoints of the two brothers and at the end we're left uh with the bad brother um kind of you know reckoning with with what's happened and with um what it means for uh, his christianity uh since you know at this point pedro the lion David Bazan um, was, uh, you know, extremely caught up in his his Christian faith. Yeah, uh, what I would call a heroin Christianity. <laughs> that's pretty. That's pretty fair. Yeah. Actually. <laughs> um, and uh, certainly, a the, long tradition of that, I should say, in the faith. But yes. Anyway, go ahead. Um, and and the album, you know, is is definitely coded, uh, coded and coded, um, huh. in that. Um, you know, consideration of of uh, what it means to be good and bad. Mm. Um, Joe, I just checked with the emo council, and yes. uh, Page of the Lion is an emo band. I, I I'm told. Yes, I. It it must be. How could yeah. emo kids not like this? Yeah. No. Um, well, just because emo kids like you doesn't make you emo. Yes. I don't think. Um, and I've, I've been talking a lot, so 10 seconds, I do want to say after that story, like, told over these eight songs, like, there's just really no um, no filler, nothing weird. It's just really tight and well done. Mm-hmm. It's a good story. Yeah. That's really what it, the feeling it gives you. Um, by the way, I guess just the opportunity to talk about this is a great album that we both bought recently. So, um, but uh, just the the sensation you get uh which honestly i think for the first time today i was like okay this time i'm gonna actually pay attention to every word um and when you do that it immediately becomes clear that this is a um uh subtle uh really brutally ironic story um that's also uh uh like I don't know, pretty much as grim as an indie album can tell a story. Um, and it's uh, it's just really well done. Um, it's told in a sort of elliptical fashion, which you kind of have to do if you're doing it in rock lyrics. Even if, like David Bazen, you um, largely eschew rhyming um, uh, or being able to sing per se, although he's a very effective vocalist. Um mm-hmm. Hey, he he can sing. That's a that's not right. Uh, it's just a, it's an interesting voice for sure. Yes. Um, but you the the net result after the end is um, it feels a lot like um, 
I don't know. I guess one short story author I've read recently that it slightly reminds me of is like George Saunders, just like mm-hmm. a real, a real gut wrenching little sketch of a story that, um, uh, you know, you, when you if you go back over it, there it's told in like really a fairly small handful of details, um, but they're all evocative enough uh, that you're left going just like shit. And it actually doesn't even take long to to take hold. As soon as you start paying attention to it, um, it seems like uh, I don't know. It's it's just mysterious enough and dark enough to seem interesting immediately. Yes, yeah, George Saunders. I love that comparison. Um, uh, yeah, there's. I I think it starts with the very first song, mm-hmm. um, "Slow and Steady Wins the Race." Um, which is from the perspective of the quote unquote good brother. He go, you know, he's, he's going to his grandmother's house and he's kind of saying uh, it's at first he's saying, you know, I don't, you know, I don't know what happened to my brother, you know, here I am. He's the good kid. And then the second verse is suddenly this very morbid vision of when he's dead Uh and he'll be in heaven. And, 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 uh, it's interesting kind of, that that scans as morbid to you. Well, the, uh, the reason yeah. is it's 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 morbid is that uh, morbid is even it's like kind of sad where he's like in heaven he's like I won't have to lock my doors. Yeah, I'll trust my neighbors. <laughs> you know, it's like he'll actually be like happy with people he likes, uh-huh. and that is like a you know uh, that he has to wait till then to like even, um, um kind of connect to anyone yeah Um, just in this listen through i was like damn like this this good brother is fucked (laughs) (laughs) so i agree that he's immediately setting it up that the good brother is uh just as fucked up if not more so yes um but i that that mindset that like well when we get to heaven it's gonna be awesome thing is uh i christians are fairly used to thinking that way since the start of Christianity. Totally. That, totally. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, I, so ha- right. Kevin, come from that, like, it doesn't strike me as morbid so much as um, uh, self-righteous, actually, or yeah. um, uh, self-justifying. You know, because that's the other thing is, I wanted to back up just a little bit. The first line of the album is, on the way to grandma's house. And that's a really sweet, idyllic image right there. Mm-hmm. And it immediately <laughs> um, gets undercut um with uh a f- an obviously allegorical but fairly um painful scenario for the quote unquote bad brother um and uh i don't know i just really enjoyed the uh it it immediately sets the template for the album of working in um sort of dark ironies and then that second verse like you said whether whether morbid from the from your perspective or more like um uh, I guess, well, how would I describe it as a uh, typically um, uh, strange Christian way of thinking? Um, yeah. And, yeah. And I totally get, I mean, I, I yeah. definitely, you know, have been exposed to that viewpoint and that's, I think that's where um, yeah. you, you probably, you're definitely more used to it than I am, but I think uh-huh. he's, he's kind of trying to, um, definitely expose oh for sure absolutely the darkness of it yeah um, and then it only gets darker from yes. there <laughs> yeah then in the next song simple economics you know you see the the good brother as a candidate um yeah. and you're I, I i wrote that you kind of like 
he's kind of giving a speech and he's like you're kind of taken in by it he says yeah. uh you're, when you're nothing but a boyfriend dangly by a thread keep in mind the bottom line diamonds are a girl's best friend he's kind of like pumping up his um his campaign staff or at least that's what i'm kind of picturing um that and i think the diamonds are girl's best friend line is a sort of an oblique reference to he's going to do something with money to win the election or totally like yes yeah, yeah. and also like a uh, you know, as we his wife becomes a character, you know, <laughs> a hint that things are um, ah, true. perhaps fucked up in yeah. that relationship. Absolutely. Yeah. And so we should say, like, this is all done with a over in like this sort of like strange baritone uh, that he sings, like sort of slow melodies mm-hmm. um, that are nonetheless dynamic in a sort of modest mouse uh, death cab type of way ish. Um, and also the music, like, you know, I never, obviously they were basically contemporaries, but I never thought of connections between some of the other b- indie bands going on at the time. But like, there definitely is a little bit of the modest mouse, like really peppy per, uh, rhythm section to go with um, uh, uh not very happy lyrics type yeah. of situation going on. Um, and so you get, you know, some like more acoustic songs and some more just straight up uh, indie rockers. But either way, it's always super catchy and uh, pretty inventive. Like the chord progressions feel uh, fresh and uh, strange, um, which really helps the uh, helps the story along. Yeah. And I think, um, um, uh, thinking about the influences here and I was reading an uh, interview with uh, Ben Gibbard about like the Death Cab's uh, discography and uh, you know he was saying how much their first album something about airplanes uh, which was like uh, just 1998 was how much it was just like we're just copying built to spill and I was like <laughs> I would have never thought of those two as together but like that you yeah. know, I'm sure Pedro the Lion, when it comes to like Modest Mouse and Built to Spill, you know, these the bands in the 90s that were kind of feeding into this, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, early 2000s indie rock. Um, you could you could hear it all over this album um, and the way they kind of played with uh, dynamics mm-hmm. um, in their songs. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I don't know um, if we want to do we want to go beat by beat through the story or should we just say uh, it's a fairly devastating uh, denouement with a yeah, twist the, or two. Yeah, it's it's striking because you know the 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 candidate's wife, the good brother's wife, discovers his apparently discovers his betrayal, his corruption, yeah. and tries to tell someone, and he murders her. And we don't really get into what the corruption was. Like we yeah. just really kind of jump to. You know the bad brothers getting arrested for DUI, and then, um, uh, then the candidate's murdering his wife. Yeah. Well, I mean, most of the things happen like it's all told. Not so much narrating what exactly happens, although a little bit more just somebody's internal slash sometimes external monologue of just talking through what's going on and how they're feeling about it. And uh, uh, yeah, it's always like. There, there's always a good subtext to whatever the narrator is saying that uh, is very rewarding for the totally. Listener. It's a very rich text, and I mean, yeah. it's, it just kind of surprises me how almost twenty years later, 
going back and looking to the lyrics and listening to it, I really can get um, so much from it, from my like, you know, consideration of it and my like uh, evolving analysis of these songs. Absolutely. Um, I'd like to, let's listen to my favorite song from the album, which is one of my just favorite songs. Uh, It's the sixth track. Uh, Eye on the finish line. finish line was you heard there um in the one and only time the chorus is sung uh, <laughs> during the song um uh which on this vinyl uh copy i really uh and probably because now i have good headphones <laughs> not like Bose, like these just Bose computer speakers. Yeah. <laughs> going through my sound blaster or whatever. <laughs> first listen oh, if you're lucky, if it's not just the Mobo sound card. Yeah. Um uh sound blaster, what happened to them? Um uh obsolete. Uh, yeah. I'm sure. Um uh you heard these beautiful distorted symbols that kind of guide this whole song. Mm-hmm. Um and uh it's this structure, like I said, he he sings the chorus once. Uh, this is, I think, this this is a song where the good brother, you know, is you know about to kill himself, and he's still still talking about that vision, how he's going to get to heaven, and everything's yes. going to be all right. That um, callback is super effective in yeah. the course of the album. And then when it should. <laughs> Especially because he's a soon I will meet her, his dead wife, at our mission. Yes. Who <laughs> killed. Like, the, the line um, self-contradicts. That's what's yes. so good about it. <laughs> um, and then, I, I just, I love how in the structure, you think it's going to go back to the chorus. And mm-hmm. instead, it's this um, 
very uh just disturbingly triumphant outro yeah um you know this line this couplet it's strange that it should end this way but martyrs never have a say yeah to the very end this this guy is delusional that he's a martyr and that you know this whole process has been you know just about how good people you know the saints are uh murdered by the wicked yeah and uh, it's incredibly moving i mean even i i don't know i'm not 100 percent sure why this song and this album is is so moving when it's this story but there there's some essential human nature to the sadness here and to the um the inevitability of failure yeah that just really gets me you know even if yeah. it's no matter you know how your life is going yeah and you know um that's a great mirror to the uh third track to protect the family name which is the bad brother narrating mm-hmm. and um in it he's he's being pulled over while driving drunk and he says oh no wait officer no no it's fine i can explain and then he goes into a long story and it turns out the explanation is simply no, actually, I promised people I wouldn't do this, so you can't arrest me. Like that's, <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's his, that's his explanation. Um, so, uh, yeah, the the way that he that this story has these mirrored sort of like uh, bullshit self justifications for uh, right after the moment where you've done something you really didn't want to do, um, and many other uh, I keep saying ironies besides that, but it is. Uh, what the how the story works um uh it's just really amazing how affecting it is um and uh yeah you found this one so moving i actually found the next one really moving too Mm. which is the uh the bad brother narrating the funeral of the good brother oh yeah the parents just losing their shit and um uh more good more good sort of like bitter lines about god which like listening to this i was like man it is funny that this guy was like famously christian um and the heroine christianity line is good because (laughs) if this was like when he was in it and had still another decade of faith ahead of him like no shit it didn't work out like um (laughs) it's he's he's definitely disillusioned with christians and the religion itself um he seems to have some complicated feelings about based on the way he describes uh relating to god so um pretty interesting yeah yeah he has a a future head of songs that you know include asking like literally asking jesus to like fix the holes that the heroin needles have made in him so you know oh okay (laughs) oh i didn't know it was quite so literally heroin christianity oh yeah yes oh yes pedro the line everybody great music um continues to make good music he really does um i i actually saw him live uh maybe a year and a half ago um when he kind of he decided to kind of get start playing as pedro again and Mm -hmm. uh, he was fantastic um uh actually i should say that the the heroin song is referencing was from a few years before this album so okay um uh yeah song fix um but yes, this song, um, where God, the bad brother, I feel like he's interpreting like God is abandoning both him and mm-hmm. his other brother. And the uh, parents. And the parents. Um, 
and you get to that it it again this and the last three songs um are just uh so seems so personal um it's just when someone's writing a short story and you're like they're telling some very dark and painful thing from their own life in this yeah um and uh you know you get to the the last song winners the title track winners never quit um uh which has uh he he sings save your applause for the end of the show in a way that it's just the darkest that that phrase could ever be uttered (laughs) Um, yeah uh, and you know, and 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 does bring closure to the album in terms of you know his life, your life is not over till it's over, yeah. And um, you you will continue to um learn the ways in which it is fucked up, and yeah. and out of that, you will actually like you might have a chance to you know be something. Well, I don't know. I think the last Maybe. line is pretty grim. Count it a blessing that you're such a failure. Your second chance might never have come. Like, it's, it's, there are a couple different ways to read that, and I'm it's not the a, darkest one. Yeah, It's not unambiguously good. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. No, and even save your applause for the end of the show. I can think of two or three different ways to read that right there. Um, yeah. You know, it can be referring to um, – <laughs> The idea that's sort of reiterated in the next line I just read, that um, maybe what's the only good thing that happens is when it ends. Or another way to look at it is that uh, uh, it, you know, the if you tried to applaud the good brother before the end of the show, uh, that would have been a mistake on your part, mm-hmm. um, since it turned out not so well for him. And uh, we could probably go through some others. It's the the album is absolutely full of. Um, uh, maybe it's not all intentional, but it probably is. Uh, very rich stuff like that. So, yeah, check it out. Um, and whoever yeah. whoever did the genius annotations for this last song, uh, uh, was um, uh, up on his biblical scholarship. Oh, really? Let me. Well, the path is too narrow, and the way is too steep. Yes, that's a very Christian uh, phrase for sure. Yes, uh, we uh-huh. get we get Mark two seventeen cited, um, uh-huh. including the. Uh, which um what's the word for the edition of the bible oh the apocrypha is that what you're talking about no like if you're using the ni ni oh yeah 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 the niv is what the, version the, trans- the translation your yeah. translation like it cites yeah. which translation it's using um, yeah someone uh uh someone got into this which i love um absolutely oh you know this is one of those things where so all the emo christian kids are really bummed about how shitty all the christian music is so when they get like an actually good album by a Christian artist like this, they are fucking all over that shit. Yes. yes. Same with Sufjan. So totally who can blame them? Um, yeah. So I, I, I just agree this, this album is uh fucking fantastic. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, thanks. Um, uh, this album, I know how I came to it. Uh, our good friend, uh, Matad, mm-hmm. um, he was interested. Is that how you pronounce it? That's that's how I'm pronouncing it on the podcast right now. Okay, Go I pronounce ahead. it that way because that's the way our good friend Jesse 
uh, pronounced uh, Malu and Mabluge. Oh, that's true. <laughs> that, so okay. that's just how my mind reads it. Um, that is the deepest high school friend cut we've done in this podcast, yeah. which is saying something. Go uh, ahead. Uh, <laughs> uh, it, yeah, Jacob, you're welcome for laughing. So, yeah, he was introduced to this by his friend Loyal, um, who was the uh, the primary engine in a very good Gainesville rock band um, that both Todd and I were into. Um, but uh, yes, who was a Todd was introduced to this band by a extremely Christian indie rock uh, musician. So um, yeah, yeah, it's 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 not a surprise that it came to me that way. Um, and uh, I'm thankful. Thank you, Loyal Frisbee. Yeah. Um, okay, Paul, uh, we're going to up the elitism. Oh, so hard. Somehow. Maybe we will. Anyway. Um, so. Uh, Should we play a clip from this next <laughs> song that we're going to discuss? Yeah, we're going to play all four minutes and 33 seconds of that clip. We'll, we'll play a little bit. We'll play a little bit. Maybe a minute. I didn't actually listen to the album. I'm just assuming it's a bunch of weird silence things. I mean, uh, you know, that's that's the whole point is we're supposed to just do yeah, whatever. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. I don't if we actually just put a minute of silence at the podcast at this point, I don't think anybody would get the joke. Yeah. So, um yeah, uh uh John Cage um for those that don't know was uh, an avant-garde composer who did a lot of sort of prankish pieces in the middle of the last century, like as slowly as possible, which somebody is in the process of playing over the course of several years right now, um, uh, which is as slowly as they deemed possible. Um, and so then he also had a piece called 433, 4 minutes and 33 seconds, uh, that... I believe the original performance involved everybody getting into the concert hall in Woodstock, New York. Uh, it was a brand new thing to be uh, debuted by this famous composer. And uh, a pianist, I, correct me if I've got the details of this wrong, came out, sat down at the piano, prepared as if to play something, and um, they did nothing for exactly four minutes and 33 seconds and mm. got up and left. Well, yes, he rested. Yes. Which <laughs> is what, yes. Um, just to, to be clear, the sheet music uh, says to rest, you know, yes. like as though, you know, it, as you would tell a, an instrument that's not playing. Yeah. So I actually want to what made me want to talk about this was less that specific thing and more of the larger implications pulled out in uh, the Pitchfork review of a multi-artist uh, covers album of this piece called Stum 433. Um <laughs> Uh, so anyway, they got they got several artists, including including some famous ones, to cover this uh, silent uh, rest that lasts for four minutes and thirty three seconds. So here's what the first paragraph, written by Daniel Martin McCormick, says: It's been almost seventy years since John Cage debuted four thirty three, his infamous silent piece, to a baffled crowd in Woodstock, New York. A lot of people left the concert pissed off. 
His friend and colleague, Christian Wolf was mortified to have brought his mother, who dismissed it as, quote, a schoolboy's prank, end quote, while Lou Harrison, another peer, said Cage's work was, quote, quite boring, end quote. But in 2019, the hubbub having long since died down, the feeling is that someone had to do it. However grating it might have seemed, 433 remains arguably the 20th century's most elegant artistic thought experiment. It's a moon landing level gesture of the avant-garde's triumph over history. In a century obsessed with liberation, Cage deftly penned the ultimate musical permission slip. And so as soon as I read this, and in fact while I was reading it, I just had to ask myself, uh, is that really true? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, so I've, you know, uh, you yeah. know, apparently one interpretation of this piece is that it's not just the silence. It's all the other sounds that happen when you're just sitting there listening intently. And that's how there can be different versions of it, of course. But ultimately, yeah, I think I'm on the it's a schoolboy's prank uh, point of view. Mm. So it sounds like you have some thoughts. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I certainly don't. You know, I, I OK, so we start from the schoolboy prank. I think from the perspective of, you know, someone was going to do this. Yeah, that's true. Somebody was going to do it. Yeah. So so, yes, in that sense, you know, someone just kind of had to have the balls to, you know, go, uh, you know, steal the hat off the mascot or something like that. You know, it, it is it does have a, a prankster's quality to it. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, but I think my thoughts on it, having never <laughs> seen it, it <laughs> right, exactly, having never attended a performance of it, um, I, I do buy the um, the nature of its uh, uh, of its art, where it is about you know what is going on during this rest, um, you know there. Uh, there are those the sounds of the people in the auditorium with you and i think bigger than that it's sort of that time mm-hmm. you know there's these few minutes that are like it, they're a meaningful portion of like your life and also like meeting lists on a cosmic scale um, okay and and there's something that can go on in terms of you know you purposefully or in terms of the first performance um uh you you were tricked into kind of spending that time this way um it's a it's a piece of art to yes. me in that way and i don't i think that you probably I would, it's not a piece of art in terms of um a musical composition right uh so much as it it is like sound art there's a piece of art in times square max newhouse is it's called uh, Times Square mm-hmm. um, and it's installed beneath a metal vent and there's like weird droning tones that are affected by the ambient noise that are just um, you know kind of uh, uh, emitted amongst the general chaos of Times okay. Square um, and it's like uh, at least uh, something is being done yes <laughs> it, true yes but I, I think there's something about like that just you know you would have to go there and just kind of experience a certain mixture of sound where the artist had decided how the artist had decided to do it mm-hmm. and i think this is part of that um, yeah uh, um and maybe another thing that i'd bring up uh, that i've seen about recently was uh are you familiar with robert smithson's spiral jetty 
Um, uh, I feel like I've heard the name of the artist, but no. So it's in um, it's in, and land art in general has something you know that that correlates with this, but that's it's in um, it's par- in part of the Great Salt Lake. Okay. Um, there is an uh, Smithson actually built this spiral using the land and mm-hmm. it's you can only walk out onto it when the tide is at the right place and you just kind of just walk into this spiral and like stand in the middle of the lake and, okay and again right, he did something <laughs> he did do something and you know i mean i i think that you know having someone come out and like you know having an orchestra rest uh, versus you just like having to sit at home in silence there, there is something happening here. That's true. There is actually something happening. And I think that that, that you know, doing something momentous but very passive yeah. is where the, the spirit of the art comes from here. So that's fair. Um, I just uh, – so I, I think you're right to point to other works of art that are trying to sort of get ahead in the same vein. To me, the best version of this uh, joke – was uh, Marcel Duchamp's The Fountain, um, mm-hmm. where he just put the urinal on its side and put it on a pedestal and signed it. And that was uh, that was his, his <laughs> The Fountain sculpture. Yes. Um, which, uh, just by virtue of being a little bit more provocative, is at least funnier to me. Um, it is extremely, <laughs> like, it's still, like, 100 years later. Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. A piece of art that people care about. Yeah. Um, so I feel like once that had been done, these, these are all sort of variations on the joke to, to some extent to my mind, which is basically if I can do anything that keeps you talking about whether or not I'm full of shit or not, that kind of is in and of itself, uh, the sign of a successful piece of art, you know, Mm -hmm. like, like this worked. It's been 70 years and people are still performing and talking about this piece. So in that sense, yes, John Cage won the argument. In another sense, it's like, yes, but also the real reason, I don't know. It just doesn't do the things that, uh, uh, I guess I guess that's my question. Um, on the one hand, I agree that something like this that simply provokes uh, – uh, some ver- some variation of amusement, annoyance, and um, just deeply like sort of uh, s- uh, um, what is the word I'm looking for? Uh, you know, continuously. Oh shit! There's a specific word that's really a recursive uh, investigation of the nature of the piece of art itself. You know, so that you sort of just end up in a spiral of talking about like, well, what really is going on with this thing? What really is it? What does it really mean? Like that is, I guess, in some sense, an effective statement, but it still feels like cheating. I don't know. Um. Yes. <laughs> I, I can't. Yeah, it, it is. Um, and I, it, I guess my other thought was the this this art paragraph sort of cast it as like a triumph. The most elegant, elegant artistic thought experiment, a moon landing level gesture of the avant-garde's triumph over history. Well, I mean, yeah, he proved that the avant-garde can technically do anything it wants, but also the avant-garde 
what did it win? I mean, it won the the conversation topics of a few uh, pretentious people. It certainly didn't win mass attention, or uh, it certainly didn't destroy uh, tone, rhythm, and the other hallmarks of what most people generally categorize as music. Um, so uh, it seems weird to call that a, 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 a massive victory. I don't know. <laughs> it's more like uh, there was one smart aleck to the side who made a joke, and then everybody else, all the people voted most likely to succeed, still went on to succeed, you know? Yes. Um, yeah, that's 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 a good way to put it. Um, uh, I don't think there's any way to kind of like come out and defend this. Uh, how, how can I say this? I, the Pitchfork yeah. article is not how I would <laughs> interpret this. Yeah. And, and I think having, you know, the compilation album. It's just uh, that kind of misses <laughs> the point. It's that's more. To be of an, fair, the review is negative, so there yes, you go. <laughs> uh, it's right, right. It seems more like a weird artifact of the effect of this piece rather than you know a thoughtful continuation of it. Yeah. Um, I wonder if there's anybody who would argue that you don't get it unless you've been to. I guess neither of us have been to a performance. Maybe we should make that a point, Joe. Find a performance yes. of John Cage's 4:33 to go to. Totally. I guess we could do it ourselves. It yes. It probably it probably. I could play it for you, and you could play it for me. <laughs> That's right. It probably is. I mean, it is a certain amount of time, and it, yeah. it probably is, especially if you're in like an actual, you know, symphony hall. Yeah, and or if you get a group of people to all do it together or yeah, something. Yeah, it's it's probably an interesting experience at least. Yeah. Um and uh would be worth trying out. I, I could definitely believe that it that your your perception of it would um be improved yeah. by actually witnessing it. Yeah. On the other hand, everybody you go with is some sort of pretentious weenie like us. So yeah. who knows what that's gonna be like. Man, eh, you know. It's it's all right. <laughs> well, uh, cool. I just wanted to get your thoughts on, um, you know, what. I guess it was interesting to me because it it raises the question of what exactly did the or has the avant garde ever achieved? Because it's not like pop music. Pop music follows some avant garde ideas, but it's not going to follow this one. I just guarantee, never going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, no. <laughs> so anyway. Uh, interesting stuff to think about for me, at least personally. Much to consider. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Love to listen to nothing. Yeah. Um, cool. Any other thoughts uh, on anything music related, Joe? Before we go. Uh, well, you know there is something Smashing Pumpkins related that no, we should go. <laughs> <laughs> well, we actually almost made a whole episode, Joe. Almost. Um, I couldn't do it. I couldn't yeah. do it. I know. Well, Billy Corgan, if you're listening, please hit us up on Instagram, mm-hmm. uh, which is what even is our Insta? Is it Savage Beast or at Savage Beast Pod? Savage Beast Pod. Yeah, I like um, our Instagram. Yeah, feels like uh, us. It does. And uh, there's also Twitter, which nobody uses anymore, and uh, email savagebeastpod at gmail dot com. And of course, you can rate, revive, and <laughs> rate, review. Uh, subscribe and uh, listen on Apple Podcasts or your your uh, platform of choice. It'll help us out, please. Uh, yes, and um, 
if you feel the need to be silent for four minutes, 33 seconds, you do. Too bad. Because <laughs> it's time to listen to Tool. <laughs> Because it's